Now, the Wealth Protection Diva is a successful entrepreneur, business owner, and premier business strategist, president and CEO of Sage International Incorporated, and a national speaker, best-selling author, and motivational teacher of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies, the joys and frustrations of being a business owner. Her insights are motivating, her frankness inspiring. Here is Sherry Hill. Is your business losing money up to its neck in bills, giving you headaches? If you found yourself nodding yes, then like millions of other business owners, you're finally discovering that staying in business is far tougher than getting into business. You aren't doing yourself a favor by walking away from your business because you let your problems beat you. On the other hand, you may do yourself an even greater disservice by staying with a business you should walk away from so you don't waste your most precious resources, your own time, talent, and treasure. My guest, Michelle Seiler Tucker, is the founder and CEO of Seiler Tucker Incorporated. As a 20-year veteran in mergers and acquisitions, Michelle and her firm have sold over a 1,000 companies in almost every vertical. Recognized as the leading authority on buying, selling, fixing, and growing businesses, Michelle sees opportunity where many are discouraged or have given up. Her passion is to save businesses that might otherwise close. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So I'm going to jump right in. So, Michelle, for many years, I, you know, I've talked with my clients about the importance of recognizing that their business is an asset and to treat it as such. Why do you think so many business owners don't think of it that way? It's really hard to kind of, to figure that out. The only thing that I can tell you after spending over 20 years in the trenches and working with thousands upon thousands of, of business owners buying, selling, fixing, growing companies is that they just really look at their business as their baby and they treat it as their baby. They're extremely emotional connected to it. And they, you know, never really build it as a business to run without them. And when they go to sell it, it makes it extremely difficult because, again, like I said, they think of it as their baby. And they don't look at their business, you know, from the, from the perspective of a buyer or an investor or somebody who, you know, would want to um, take over their business. They look at it at the, as the perspective that they grew it. You know, they put their heart, soul, love, passion, energy, money into it. And it's their baby. And I think we really just have to work on changing the mindset of business owners and what how they think about their companies. And, you know, one of the other things that I discovered, a chief reason for business failure is not managerial incompetence, but managerial disinterest. So, you know, they don't perform well because they don't have the enthusiasm their business needs, which leads back kind of to my intro. You know, is this the right business for you? So, Michelle, like, you know, I talk to a lot of people starting companies, and that's one of the first questions I ask. Is this something you're going to be passionate about? I think passion is huge. Um, but, you know, we have a lot of buyers. There's five different types of buyers. And many of the buyers that buy businesses don't necessarily buy them because they're specifically passionate about the industry, like private equity groups. They don't buy businesses because they have the passion 
for that certain industry. They buy based on platforms and add-ons, and it has to meet their EBITDA requirements. Same thing with, um, you know, serial entrepreneurs who are industry agnostic. They're chasing cash flow. So is passion always the key ingredient, or does it come down to really building a business that runs on the infrastructure, what we call the six Ps and exit rich? And does it really come to down to building a sustainable, scalable business that works for you rather than you working for it? Because many business owners have created a glorified job and wish they go to work to every day instead of business that works for them. And, you know, does it really come down to building that business that provides you the, the income and the freedom for the lifestyle that you really want? And that's one of the things I find so interesting because, you know, for many years, you, you can read a gazillion business books and they all talk about, you know, when you own your own business, you have freedom. And I've always taught that you want to, you know, build your company around your lifestyle, not try to fit your lifestyle into your company. Yet, it's amazing to me, Michelle, I taught business planning for seven years through the university, and many of my students were people who were already in business, yet they never took the time, and our class was 13 weeks, to work on their business, to really think of it as something that could be scalable or a model. What do you say to people out there that you know, or grinding, grinding, or wanting to start businesses, how vital is it to think this thing through before you even write the first check? Well, it's extremely vital. And before you go write the first check about starting a business, you also want to really do your due diligence and and look at the businesses that are up for sale because it's always, you know, in many cases, not all, but in many cases, more prudent to buy an existing business than it is to start one because an existing business is typically running on, you know, three or four of, of the six cylinders and has people in place, you know, has a customer base, et cetera. So it's usually generating cash flow from day one versus a startup could take you a lot more years to, to generate positive income. Um, also, you know, I think, again, business owners just have to get, they just have to change their mindset. You know, most business owners, entrepreneurs think they have to do it all. They think that, you know, if I don't do it right, nobody else will, and they're control freaks. You'll never grow unless you let go of the control. So entrepreneurs really, really, really have to focus on their strengths and hire their weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And the problem is they get so busy in the day-to-day that they, they're not building the infrastructure. And that's why... I don't know if you know this, but when I wrote my very first book in 2013 called Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth and did the research, I I found out that 95% of all startups would sell within the first one to five years. Now, after writing Exit Rich with Sharon Lecter in 2019-2020, did the exact same research and found out that the business landscape has flip-flopped dramatically. So now it's only 30% of startups will go out of business. But businesses have been in business over over 10 years. 70% 70% of those businesses will go out of business. And that's out of 27.6 million companies. Now, you hear about the big public companies all the time, like Toys R Us, Kmart, JCPenney's, um, you know, Godiva's closing down 1,500 locations, GNC closing down 900 locations. But you're not hearing about the private business owners on every street corner in every town in every state across our great nation. These business owners are dropping like flies. They're exiting poor. They're having to sell for pennies on the dollar, close their business, or even worse, file bankruptcy. So that's why I wrote Exit Rich to really get business owners to fo- to build a sellable asset because you know Steve Forbes says eighty 
80% of businesses won't sell. Eight out of 10 businesses don't sell because business owners have never built a business that somebody actually wants to buy. So we got to get these business owners really thinking about their business as a valuable asset that they can sell one day. And you're not going to do that by working in your business. The only way you will ever do that is by working on your business, building your GPS exit model from day one, and building your infrastructure on what I call the FT6Ps. And Michelle, I know you do a lot of work in the franchise model, which is part of what you just said, buying a business or a system that already is successful. Do you see more of that happening than, you know, the mom and pop? Um, because, you know, every corner looks the same across America now. No, I, I don't. Well, first of all, I'm not, I don't do as much work in the franchise arena as I used to. I used to be in franchise sales, franchise consulting, franchise development uh, before I got a transition into mergers and acquisitions. Now we specialize in selling businesses $10 million and up. So we sell franchisors, not necessarily franchisees. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I'm seeing, I'm, what I'm seeing, like I said, 70% of businesses are going out of business. And the number one reason for that is because these business owners stop doing what I call AIM. AIM is always innovate and market, always innovate and market. And the reason that startups have a higher success rate than they ever have is because they're not building that cookie cutter, you know, um, restaurant or coffee shop or another ice cream store. Like you said, every corner looks the same. They're not, they're not doing that. A lot of entrepreneurs are going out there now. A lot of millennials are looking at the problems that exist and actually being solution-oriented, coming up with solutions to solve those problems, you know, especially now with COVID. I mean, there were 860,000 businesses that opened up in the first half of last year. And these are businesses that are e-commerce, online education, businesses that we need because there's a shift that has been it has is taking place because of the pandemic. So the name of the game is innovation. You know, if you want to stay in business and if you really want to be sustainable, you have to innovate. I would absolutely agree. And then market. <laughs> That's what AIM is. Always innovate and market. Always innovate and market. That's what AIM is. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you got to do everything else, you know. And the other, the big reason why businesses don't sell is because business owners never even think about their exit, about selling their business until a catastrophic event has occurred. That could be internal, like health issues, divorce, partner disputes, death, unfortunately, or the pandemic. You know, you said you taught business course, business plans, you know, it was a 13-week program, and people were still working on their business, not working in their business. Did you, did you also teach how to plan your exit? Because that's the number one problem that I see with business owners is they never plan their exit, so they never built a business that someone actually wants to buy. Yeah, and I, I want to talk more about that after break, but let's kind of finish up on this kind of thought process that, you know, when you go into a business or you've been in a business for a long time, I'm guessing, Michelle, the, you know, one of the first conversations you have with someone is you got to dream big and think that there truly is a buyer for your business. Well, there is a buyer for your business if you build a business that buyers want to buy. <laughs> Well put. Dream big, but you got to build that infrastructure. Nobody wants to buy. Look, the number one reason that businesses are not sellable is because they're 1,000% dependent upon the owner. I pull that owner out, there is no business. Dentist, I just had a dentist come to me. Been in business 45 years, two dental hygienists. He doesn't want to stay for for a smooth transition because the buyer is going to require at least two to three years. 
The minute he leaves, the patients leave, and he won't stay. You can't sell a business like that. So business owners really have to build a business, get into the business mentality, and let go of the job mentality. I'm talking with Michelle Seiler Tucker. She's a best-selling author. Her latest book, Exit Rich. We're going to talk more about that when we come back. Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own, or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? First, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should, like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes? For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put a proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started in the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779 or visit sageintl.com. Making money is the ultimate purpose of any business. Oh, it's great to have fun working, but if you can't make money, you have a hobby, not a business. If you lose money, you have an expensive hobby. You want a profitable business as profitable as you can make it. Michelle Seiler Tucker is the best-selling author of the book, Think and Grow Rich Today, Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth, and her latest book, Exit Rich. She's personally sold over 500 businesses, and her company has sold over 1,000. For more than 20 years, Michelle's been in the trenches helping hundreds of business owners build a scalable and sellable business. She helps owners create a business that works for them rather than the other way around and has helped thousands exit rich. Welcome back, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great to be here with you, Cheryl. Too many entrepreneurs push off planning for the sale of their businesses until the last moment, but for a business to sell for what it's really worth or even more, owners need to prepare from the sale from the very start. So let's let's talk about, Michelle, when you're sitting down with someone and they're like, oh, I want to sell my business next year. I mean, really, what, what do you say to them? <laughs> well, I mean, it depends upon what stage they're in if their business is sellable or not and what you know what I find with most business owners is like we said they don't think about selling until a catastrophic event has occurred that's the worst time to sell your business because your business is typically turning downward and the best time to sell your business is when it's booming and you're in your prime also business owners you know will come to me and say well I want 10 million dollars from a company but their EBITDA which is earnings before interest taxes depreciation amortization is all of $100,000. And nobody's going to pay them $10 million for $100,000 in EBITDA. So when I ask them, especially if they don't have the synergies, they have the synergies that could be different. But when I ask them, how do you come up with that value? Their answer always is, well, that's what I need to retire on, or that's what I need to pay for five girls' weddings, or that's what I need to buy a business. It's based upon what they need and what, not what the business is worth. And then, you know, we have to take it a step further when we do the valuation, because there's six different methods that we evaluate businesses on, but we really take them through what I call the six P process, the six P's, to make sure that the business is running on all six cylinders. Because if it is, then it will sell for maximum value. If it's not, it's not going to. Which again is why so many businesses are selling for pennies on the dollar. So, can you share the six P's? 
Sure. So the first P and the most important P is people. You know, this is why we got to get the business owner working on the business, not in the business, focusing on their strengths, hiring their weaknesses. You don't build a business. You build people, and people build the business. So you need to have the right people in the right seats. And Sherry, they got to ask the who question. Who opens the door? Who handles marketing? Who handles customer service? Who handles legal? Who handles accounting? Who handles, um, you know, insurance claims? Who handles transportation, manufacturing, logistics, environmental? The list goes on and on. The clue is you should never be next to the who. So all of your listeners right now should take a pen and paper and write down everything that happens in their business on a daily, weekly, monthly basis and put a name next to that task. And the owner's name should never be next to any of those tasks because if it is, the business is not sustainable, the business is not scalable, and in some cases not sellable. So people is number one. Number two is product. You have to ask yourself, is your product on the way up or on the way out? Is it thriving or dying? Do you have an Amazon and you're at the top of your game? Or you have a blockbuster and about to go bust? And unfortunately, Sherry, a lot of businesses are going under right now. A lot of industries that were once thriving are now dying because of COVID. So that doesn't mean that if you're in a dying industry that you just pack up and go home. That means that you've got to get an expert. You've got to get a mentor. You've got to align yourself with somebody who can maybe help you see things more clearly because I always say when you're in your fog, it's foggy. <laughs> and you got to ask yourself these three transformational questions. This is what Amazon asked themselves back in the 90s. Ask yourself, what business are you in? And Amazon said, I'm in, we're in the business of selling books. And then they asked themselves, what do we do really, really, really well, better than anybody else? We do fulfillment really well. And then the most important question is what business should we be in? What business should we be in? Those three questions is what transformed Amazon because they said we need to be in fulfillment. These three questions transformed Amazon from a small bookseller to the multi-billion dollar worldwide conglomerate that they are today. So just because you're stuck in an industry that's dying doesn't mean that you can't pivot. doesn't mean that you can't add creative, you know, um, congruent revenue streams. The third P is processes. So I bet you're big on processes, Sherry. I absolutely <laughs> am. Yes, it's all a system. And and usually uh, it's, yeah, <laughs> you got to review yeah. it and analyze it. <laughs> but processes are typically treated like exit strategies. Mm-hmm. A lot of business owners don't think about them until they have to because something bad happened in their company. <laughs> you know, like I got a company that has been blasted all over the Internet for their horrible customer service and they're practically out of business now. And the owner said to me, we need a policy and procedure manual for customer service. I said, well, you know what? You really needed that before. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so the processes should really be designed from the beginning of time with the customer experience in mind. And that's what so many business owners get wrong, is they don't design the processes around the customer experience. If you look at McDonald's, it started McDonald's back in the 40s. Back in the 40s. And they said, this is what we want our customers to experience. We want our customers to get great tasting food that's hot and fast. They built the whole processes around it. I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Founder. Oh, yeah, they, fantastic. Like, mm-hmm. You remember when they went to the tennis courts and they took all their employees to map out the processes and then they would erase it and then start all over again? So back in the 40s, they developed the processes around the customer experience. That's why you can eat at a McDonald's anywhere in the world and get the same experience. They never said we're gonna that the food's gonna be organic or that it's gonna be healthy for you. <laughs> they said it's gonna taste good, be you know it's gonna taste good, 
hot, fast. And so, so many companies get this backwards. Have you ever dealt with a company where, oh my gosh, you had to talk to 12 different people to get somebody to help you with your issue, and you have to say the same story over and over again? Or you have to push 12 different prompts to get to a person. Have you ever had horrible experiences in customer service? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and most of those companies are gone. <laughs> no, they're not. No, they're not. Well, no, I mean, not, not all. The, I mean, I, I, talk, I, I say right now government is taking advantage of COVID because it, it really gave them an excuse to be incompetent more so than ever. A lot of these companies are getting worse and worse. I mean, like, perfect example, social media. You know, I'm not going to say what company, but my account was hacked months ago. I still have yet to get a person on the phone. I still have yet to get my credit card issues resolved with them. And I can't get anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Same thing with banks. So, so, so the reason for that is because they're designing their processes with their own agenda in mind, not around the customer experience. Because they don't have competition in that area. Exactly. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you really need to design your processes around the customer experience because if you don't, somebody else will make your customers happy for you. And you need to make sure they're, they're productive, efficient. Make sure you have policy and procedure manuals, SOP checklists, employee handbooks, non-compete templates, because that's the first thing a buyer looks at when they walk into your business to buy your business. And then the fourth P, Sherry, which is the highest value driver. Now, this can take you from... A three multiple, four multiple, five multiple, all the way up to six, seven, eight, nine, maybe even ten. These are proprietary assets. There are six pillars to, to proprietary. Number one is branding. The more well-branded you are, your business is, the more I can sell your company for, as long as your brand is relevant in the mind of the consumer. Is anybody going to pay any money for Blockbuster? No. <laughs> yeah. Of course not. <laughs> So build your brand, build your exit. The biggest brand in the world. Do you know who the biggest brand in the world is? The most valuable? I would say it's either Coke or Nike. So Coke and Nike are in the top 10, mm. but number one is Apple. Apple, yes, 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 yes. $249 billion. That's just for the brand. That's not including the cash flow, the inventory, real estate, or anything else. That's just the brand alone. And then trademarks are very important. You know, trademark your company name, your slogans, your logos, your podcast, your business writing plan that you are teaching. You know, anything that's unique to you. The, the, the biggest mistake, though, that business owners make is that they start a business in a state, and then they go get that state trademark. Like, so you're in Nevada. They go get a Nevada state trademark. But they never check the federal database to make sure that that name is available. So they can be in business 5, 10, 15 years and all of a sudden receive a system to sit letter, throw money at the problem, hire attorneys, in all likelihood they're probably not going to, they're probably not going to win. So they have to stop using that company name. So make sure you spend the $1,500 $2,000, get a federal trademark and protect your proprietary assets. You know, we're selling a business that has products in grocery, in retail grocery store chains. And, each product has a different trademark. Each grocery store chain has its exclusivity to that product. It's worth a lot of money. Strategists and competitors pay a lot of money for those types of businesses. And then patents are very important. Do you ever watch Shark Tank? Oh, yeah. So patents, if you've ever watched Shark Tank, the first thing that every single investor asks, every single investor is, do you have a patent on that? Do you have a patent pending? Do you have a utility patent? I mean, we went and sold a company for $18 million that was really not making any money, but they had 18 patents. 
So protect your inventions. Get a patent because it's worth a lot of money. I am going to invite Michelle to come back next week because I want to finish going through her six Ps. She is the author of her newest book, Exit Rich, and that's what we're talking about. Go get the book at ExitRichBook.com, and if they buy the book in pre-sales, they will get the immediate digital download today, plus we'll ship the hardcover to their doorstep, plus they'll get a lifetime membership into the Exit Rich Book Club, Well, they will get all of my video contents, but most importantly, every document you need to run your business and sell your business is in the Exit Rich Book Club. These documents are worth over $25,000. Plus, we give them 30-day free membership into club CEOs, and that's a mastermind where we help entrepreneurs build a sustainable, scalable, and sellable business, all for $24.95 at ExitRichBook.com been talking with Michelle Seiler Tucker. Want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Sherry Hill Show, where business is amplified. The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Send her a message on facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show and tune in next week, same time, same station for the Sherry Hill Show.